copy that. Second Philippians 25 through 30, so please open your Bibles, open your Bible app to join me. I have thought it necessary to send to you Epaphroditus, my brother and fellow worker and fellow soldier, and your messenger and minister to my need. For he has been longing for you all and has been distressed because you had heard that he was ill. Indeed, he was ill, near to death. But God had mercy on him, and not only on him, but on me also, lest I should have sorrow upon sorrow. I am the more eager to send him, therefore, that you may rejoice at seeing him again, and that I may be less anxious. So receive him in the Lord with all joy, and honor such men. For he nearly died for the work of Christ, risking his life to complete what was lacking in your service to me. The word of the Lord. We are in part five of a series called Edify, and Edify means to build up. And I've entitled this message, No Small Persons and Gifts. Um, No Small Persons and Gifts. And it is an important message that I'd like to get across to you, and I hope that many of you will take this to heart, because a lot of people, the the issue that I, I really want to tackle today is a lot of people think, okay, this stuff is... For God, and I don't know a lot about the Bible, and my faith is really crummy, and I don't have much. I don't really have much. I'm not much, and I'm nobody. Why? How could God ever use me? What can I ever do for God, for His church, for His kingdom, for His name? Maybe that is how some of you think. In fact, I'm quite positive that's how some of you think. That's how a lot of people think. And today's message is especially geared to you. If you have any thoughts like that, today's message is geared to speak to you. Because there's no such thing as a small person or a small gift in God's kingdom. Now, I'm going to get at this in three parts, like as I usually do. Part one, I'm going to call it seemingly small persons. They seem like small, but they're not. Seemingly small persons. Part two, no small gift or service And part three, the new humanity, a new humanity. Part one, no small gift or service. Okay, Um, there are a lot of passages I I, I could have referenced to to preach from this. I actually, our brother John um, read the text, and I, I actually had a different text in mind. But out of mercy to him, I decided not to use that text uh, because then it, it's one of those texts that has all these strange names and whoever were to try to plow through all those names would probably get embarrassed uh, and it would just be torturous. Um, but um, just to start off this, there are a lot of names in the Bible that you've never heard of. Do you know that? There are a lot of names in the Bible you've never heard of. They may be difficult to pronounce. But it's strangely, but God placed them in the Word for all the generations thereafter to read those names. And the way we are is we only read the famous names. And you, know, you catch the famous names, and they're famous for a specific reason. David. I mean, David's an important name. Moses, that's a huge name. And, and these are names that even non-Christian folks, people who don't even know the Bible or believe in the Bible... They, they've heard these names, but there are a bunch of names in the Bible that they don't seem to be big. They're, they are small people. 
supposedly, right? And let me just give you a, a sense of this. And I, I, the, the text that we read today, I'm going to get at this, is Philippians chapter 2. And a name is given in that and of someone who did a piece of service for Paul and did a piece of service. And he didn't know that he would become famous. I mean, and, and the fact is, anybody who's ever read the Bible or studied the Bible, if you've read it with any kind of depth, would know this name, Epaphroditus, from Philippians chapter 2. It's, like, it's kind of one of those... I heard of that name, and isn't that name from somewhere? And it, there he is. He's given five verse or six verses right there in Philippians chapter 2. And there's a, a short little story about it. I'm going to get to that. But let me, let me take you to another passage. This is the passage I actually originally had in mind. This is Romans chapter 16. The book of Romans is one of the most important books ever, ever, ever written. And because it expounds the gospel in such a powerful way, but most people have no idea how this book ends because it's just whatever. Uh, it's got this set of passage that nobody pays attention to and, and people rarely ever preach from. And, but this is just how it begins. Chapter 16. What chapter 16 is, is it's, a, it's the close of a letter. And then Paul greets a whole bunch of people and says, Here, these are the people that I want to um, uh, mention. And so chapter 16, this is, listen, this is how it goes. I commend to you our sister Phoebe, a servant of the church at Cancrie. Right? I think that's how it's pronounced. Cancrie, Cancrie, Cancrie. Who cares? Okay, all right. That's how it's pronounced, right? Um, Phoebe, and you have, if every, and if any of you wonder why why that name goes on, any any certain names that are kind of pretty in the in the Bible, and especially if they have any any uh, they have a, um, a special meaning, usually those names go on. Um, they'll, be, they'll be here for generations, and they'll probably be popular names until Jesus returns. And so Phoebe, we have a, have a Phoebe in our church. She's a little baby, okay? And some of you are going, well, that's just a nice name. It's, it's better than a nice name. It comes from a, a very particular person, and a very particular person who was very important in the church. And her name is, so I commend to your sister, our, our sister Phoebe, a servant of the church, at Cancrie, that you may welcome her in the Lord in a way worthy of the saints and help her in whatever she may need from you. For she has been a patron of many and of myself as well. So what does she do? So here's Phoebe. She's a servant of a church in a town you never heard of, Cancrie. What does she do? She, she is given as, she's described by Paul as worthy. And what has she done? She goes and visits at the church, and when she goes there, I want you to help her. What has she done? She has been a patron of many. She's been a financial support. She funds many people, including me. Let me just say something to you. If there is no Phoebe, there is no Church of Rome, there is no Church of Corinth, Paul's work doesn't get to go someplace and if Paul's work doesn't get to go someplace, we don't sit here today. It's as simple as that. So there's a woman named Phoebe. She's not famous. She's not very big. She did something. She would encourage people in the early church. She would fund them. And, and let me say something to you. A lot of people today think money is a very important thing. Money is a very, very small thing in the kingdom of God. But when you take something that's small in the kingdom of God and you do it out of faith for Jesus, 
for the most everlasting kingdom, it becomes something very, very important. So a small amount of money, because she probably wasn't super rich, but she had enough, and she used it in faith. So Paul, I mean, because it couldn't have been a lot of money, because Paul had to work another job to do his ministry. Did you know that? So Paul wasn't like me. He didn't get to be a full-time preacher. He didn't get to be a full-time minister of the gospel. He had to have a second job. And so there are a lot of people today, for instance, around the world who are not famous pastors and preachers. And in fact, there may be you, uh, arguably a majority of the pastors in the world are poor pastors who have to work a second job. But Paul, thankfully, had someone named Phoebe who would support him so that he would only have to work part-time. <laughs> Okay, I'm thankful that the, your offerings support me so that I can work full-time. I mean, I'm not rich, but it's nice that I don't have to hold down another job. But in, and many of you give offering, and it didn't seem like much, and you're like, it isn't much. But you know what? It enables that I don't have to work a second job. But So Phoebe probably wasn't rich. If she was rich, she would probably say, Paul, don't stop working that other job because you've got other things to do. But she gave. So that's Phoebe. Um, Verse 3. Greet Prisca and Aquila, my fellow workers in Christ Jesus. That's what he calls them. Who risked their necks for my life, to whom not only I give thanks, but all the churches of the Gentiles give thanks as well. Greet also the church in their house. They risked their life. They open up their house. Some of you um, have a house. Some of you own a house. Some of you rent a house. Some of you are like, oh, well, my house is small, and I don't own this house. Let me tell you, in San Jose, opening up your house so that people can gather in the name of Jesus, that is not a small thing to do. And you may not think you're an important person in the kingdom of God, and you are a small person in the kingdom of God, but, and you've never heard of this person, Prisca and Aquila, but they apparently would stick their necks out and help save Paul's life, and they do very small things, like open up their house. But in a city like San Jose, whose real estate is outrageously expensive, and so we have a, a brother and a sister who's opening up their house. You know, I said, if, if there's any of you who'd be willing to open up your house and host for college ministry, and, and, and Norma and, and Wesley stepped forward and said, you can do it there. They don't even own their house. Okay? But that is an incredible piece of service because college students need, need space. They just need space. And a little family's going to start up. And these brothers and sisters are going to be loved and learn how to love each other in Christ and grow in his wisdom because someone offers space. But a lot of the churches around the world are like this. They meet in apartments. They are in poor neighborhoods. And they meet in somebody's house. This glorious kingdom starts off like this, Prisca and Aquila. And... Let me just go close. Greet Mary, who has worked hard for you. Greet Andronicus and Junia, my kinsmen, 
and my fellow prisoners. They are well known to the apostles. and They were in Christ before me. You know, when, she's, when he says that they are my fellow prisoners, I don't think that that's not some kind of like metaphor. <laughs> that's not a metaphor. It's not a nice idea. I think these people, they went to prison. <laughs> they got tossed into jail. He got tossed into jail because, well, what happened is Paul would preach the gospel. And then the Jews in the town would get so angry, a riot would start. And they would say, who started this riot? They'd say, that guy. Then the Romans would throw him into prison. And apparently, they would hang out with him. They would be among the people and says, we started this thing called the gospel ministry. And, in, and there are places in the world that if you start a church and you preach the gospel with power, riots could start. And if the people were with those people who preached, they would end up in prison. These are the small people mentioned in the Bible. Let me get to Philippians chapter 2. A guy named Epaphroditus. So Paul is writing this letter to the church of Philippi from prison. And what happens is is a, a set of people. So he is in prison somewhere in another city. But, so the church of Philippi, it's not a large church, but it's a remarkable church. It was a church started with a Roman jailer and a young girl who had demonic powers and a woman who dealt in fine, fine cloths and she had more money. And that's how the church of Philippi started. And it wasn't a large church, but it was a church that profoundly believed in the power of the gospel. And so when Paul would go to other cities, they would continue to pray for him and watch over him and support him. And so Paul would get, like, they had word that he was put in prison in another city. And you know what this church of Philippi did? They said, our brother Paul needs encouragement. Somebody needs to go visit him. And so the church of Philippi pulled together some money. They asked, who in our church will go? You're going to go just visit our brother. If he needs some medicine in prison, maybe some food, you, will you take it to him? And we're going to send you with some money, and we want you to go do this travel Go visit our brother and just love on him. Just encourage him. That's, that's it. That's, that's, that, that's, that's the act. So Epaphroditus is sent by the church of Philippi to the brother Paul, who planted the church, but he's in prison somewhere. He goes and loves on Paul, and during that time, he gets sick, and he gets so sick that he almost dies. That's what this little piece of portion is. And Paul says... I'm going to send them back to you. But basically, thank you for sending him to me. And if he had died, my sorrow, there would have been sorrow upon sorrow. But please honor. And this is what he says. This is what it says in Philippians chapter 2, verse 25 to 30. It says, um, you, should, you should honor. So receive him in the Lord. You sent them to me, and now I want you to receive him in the Lord with all joy and honor him. I want you to honor such men, for he nearly died for the work of Christ. So did he go out there and preach 
and get tossed into prison? No. <laughs> That's not what he did. What did he do? He said, I raised my hand. I want to build up the church. I want to edify my brother. So to go edify my brother, Paul, is to help build up the church. And if you were here with us in this meeting, the church is not first and foremost an institution. The church is foremost a fellowship, a body, a living, organic entity of brothers and sisters, a family of God. So I'm going to go build up my brother Paul. That is to build up the church. So this guy, Epaphroditus, he raised his hand and said, I want to go do that. And in so doing that, he, he almost got sick and died. You know, this could happen today. This could happen today. So um, we support a missionary in Cambodia. He used to be one of the pastors of this church. He was my predecessor in this ministry. And so if one of these days we said, hey, our brother that we sent to Cambodia is struggling and he needs some encouragement. He needs encouragement. Who is willing to go? And we send a team, and let's say five or six of you say, we, so we pull together our money, we pray, and we send a team to Cambodia, and, then the, and our brother in Cambodia receives you. His name is Gil. And Gil receives... John, or, or Wesley. And then while Wesley's out in Cambodia, he picks up some kind of tropical bug and gets really sick. And we start praying like crazy. And you know what Gil would say? He could, he could literally write a letter back saying to the church called New Hope in Santa Clara, Please, because like, I, I, it would have it would have been devastating to me if Wesley had died, but he lived, and when he comes back, please honor him for his service to the church. I'm not kidding. That's what Paul says is serving God, and you know what? Let, let me let me let me throw this little thought at you. God. God thought Epaphroditus and his service to the church was important enough to put in the most important book of all time ever, to put in the infallible, inspired scripture so that every generation thereafter would read of this guy named Epaphroditus. And many of you read this guy like Epaphroditus. I can't even pronounce that thing. In fact, I don't even know if I'm pronouncing it correctly. That's how I pronounce it. It's epiphroditus or epro. Who knows how it's actually pronounced? Epro. Who knows? It's for, okay. Who knows? But this supposedly small person is to be honored for his heart, pure service to the gospel, to edify and build up the church, to lift up his brother, sister. That's what it looks like. And for any of you who think. And so just think of what he did. He delivered probably some food and some goods. He brought his own love and encouragement. And he brought a word from his family to Paul. That's what he did. Could some of you do that? Could some of you do that? 
you don't need you don't need a master's from a seminary to do that, do you? Do you, do you have to play guitar for years and years or hold a beat? I can't do that. I mean, but and some of you can, some of you can't. Is, is that a hard thing to do? And yet, it goes in the scriptures as an example of what it looks like to build up the church. Seemingly small persons, part one. Part two, my message. Um, I want to give you a, a I, I read this for, for those of you who are here, <laughs> those of you who are not tardy to service, okay? Got to hear this, I read me, read this. Um, there is no such thing as a small gift to contribute to the gospel. There is no such thing as a small gift. If you think your gift is small, let me say to you, you are wrong and you should repent. I'm not kidding. You should be humbled. You should feel bad. You should feel guilty. You should feel dumb. Stop it. I have this little gift. It's not much. Eh, I'm not going to do it because it's too little. Stop it. Stop thinking this way. It's wrong. Right? It is wrong. It's dishonoring to God. And you're withholding something that's important to the church. Your gifts. This is from Mark chapter 12. So Jesus sitting by, so here's how, listen, Mark chapter 12, verses 41 to 44. Jesus sat down opposite the treasury. This is the, next to the temple where people give offerings. And watch people put money into the offering box. Many rich people put in large sums. And a poor widow came and put in two small copper coins, which make a penny. You get that? Two small copper coins, which add up to a penny. (laughs) I mean, is that small? That's pretty small. And he called his disciples to him and said to them, listen, now I want you to hear this, because many of you are followers of Jesus, are you not? So you're a disciple. So you need to hear Jesus say this to you. Truly I say to you, brothers and sisters at San Jose New Hope Church, this poor widow has put in more than all those who are contributing to the offering box. Do you believe that? Do you believe that? Um, I'm glad we live in a city where some of you can become a millionaire overnight. You know, we do. It's, it's a weird place. Silicon Valley. Some of you could work, 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 and then some, you know, your company goes IPO, gets acquired, and all of a sudden you become a millionaire overnight. Okay? I hope that happens to some of you. And, and then you will want to give sacrificially to Jesus because you'll say, this million dollars is not my treasure. Jesus is my treasure. This million dollars is going to be gone tomorrow. But my salvation, my kingdom, my sonship, my inheritance, my family, the new heavens and new earth can never be taken away from me ever, ever, ever. Jesus is my treasure. I hope you will come to that conclusion. But if someone ever drops a million dollar offering into our church, it is not bigger. It is not bigger than the college kid who has a part-time job, makes $100 that week, and drops $20 into the offering. It is not bigger than that. It is not bigger. Not to God. 
Don't ever think that. If we could have five people each give a million dollars to the church, or we can have a hundred people give sacrificially ten dollars each, because that's all they got. God wants this ladder. God wants a second. You understand? And if we could have someone up here, if we could have Chris Tomlin lead us in worship, Chris Tomlin, one of the most famous praise band leaders in the whole world, lead us in worship. And he's a stud, and he's famous. That would be cool. But I'd rather have a kid who's not nearly as talented as Chris Tomlin, but will say, this is what I have for Jesus. I'd rather have five kids up here who say, this is my widow's offering for Jesus. I give it with all I have. That's what we want up here. That's, that's the praise band I want. I hope that's the praise band you want. That's the offerings we need in the church. We need that from five people, ten people, a hundred people. It's much better to have a thousand poor people who give widows offerings than to have a hundred rich people who drop a million dollars each because they're a billionaire. I'm a billionaire. I have a million dollars. Here we go. Boom. If you ever become a millionaire, I hope you give a million dollars to the church. But I really don't care. I really don't care if we ever get a million dollar offering. Because I believe in the Bible. I hope you believe in the Bible. It is from God. The word of man outside the world is all about money and power and all the bling bling and all the greatest performances and and, uh, and, and all the exams and all, I mean, exact, all that stuff. The name brand. But this is how Jesus does it. He looks at a widow and says, that's the gift. That's the gift that God likes. There's no small gift. Um, let me give you some, some principles. Right? Let me throw you three kingdom principles so there are these verses that just kind of like swing by. Some of you have heard them. If you grew up in the church, you've heard them. But you should begin to start to swallow them because they're deep principles of life. They flip the world upside down. Um, let me just give you three. Number one, so there's no small gift. But Jesus puts it a little differently. There is no small faith. If you have a gift and you give it in faith, my faith is crummy, my gift is crummy. Not to God. Jesus puts it this way. Matthew chapter 17, verse 20. Truly I say to you, if you have faith like a grain of mustard seed. One grain of mustard seed. So you've heard this before, haven't you? You ever looked at a mustard seed? It's really, really small. (laughs) It's really, really small. Some of you, I know you look at your faith. It's like, it's really, really small. If we could see it, it'd be like microscopic. <laughs> Pasture, it's almost invisible. It's, it's microscopic. <laughs> it's microscopic. If Jesus was giving this teaching in the 21st century, he would say, if your faith was as large as a virus, 
It was as big as a little bacterium. You could say to this mountain, move from here to there, and it will move, and nothing will be impossible for you. Do you believe that? Do you believe that? Faith, God honors. This is a strange thing. I believe that there are things happening in this church that were prayed for 20 years ago, 30 years ago, 40 years ago. I believe there are things happening in this church where the person who prayed in faith has already passed away and gone home to Jesus. There's an old lady. There are multiple old ladies who, grow, who get up in this church who come to very, very early morning prayer services that you and I don't come to because I'm asleep at that time. <laughs> it's dark. I don't get up at those times. But there are people who get up at this time to pray for you in faith. And God has heard those prayers. There are people who think there's this mountain. It's called Korean American Church. And the Korean American Church can't ever really change. And it will never really reach anybody and ever really get healthy. It sucks. (laughs) In the face of all man-made evidence, some have had faith like a mustard seed and have prayed our church would change. We would reach people. And maybe they didn't get to see it, but you and I are getting to see it. That mountain is moving. It's moving right before your eyes. So faith like a must do, that's principle number one. Principle number two. Jesus says in Luke 16, verse 10, one who is faithful in a very little is also faithful in much. One who is faithful in little is faithful in much. You want to see great things of God? You want to have big things of God? You need to be faithful in little before you can be faithful in much. Um, there's something that uh, uh, Rick Warren, he, he, I've heard him say this. Pastor Rick Warren, you know, the most famous pastor in the world right now. Uh, one of the things he likes to say is, some of you think, uh, he's like, you know, some of you say, think, Lord, you know, if I had a lot of money, then I would use it for God. <laughs> He's like saying, no, you wouldn't. No, you wouldn't. Because if you're not doing it now, <laughs> you wouldn't do it if you had more. <laughs> Some of you think like, well, if I had a million dollars, then I could pay off my house and then have a lot of things left over for God. That's not faith. <laughs> That's not faith. That's a worldly way of thinking. <laughs> And so Rick Warren, and I, he, I don't think he's bragging one bit when he says this. He talks about how he has played this game with God, and he's been losing. Every year he's been raising his tithe. I mean, he's, he's kind of crazy, quite frankly, if you ask me, all right? He goes, some years I, I raise it just a fraction of a percentage. But you begin when you have little. That widow, she had little. She practiced faith. I know, we're t- I know it sounds like I'm talking about money, but I'm not really talking about money. You have a little, you have a little ability to use your music. You know, my son, <laughs> you know, I, I, all three of my kids play piano. Okay? All three of my kids play piano. None of them are especially very good, although my son is starting to get kind of good. 
He doesn't think it's much. He has a little gift. The gift is small. I mean, as far as I can tell, he, he ain't going to be a concert pianist. <laughs> as far as I can tell, uh, he doesn't have some super ability. But at 45 minutes a day, six days a week, he plugs that in there. He doesn't even want to do it. <laughs> but you know what he is? He's faithful in little. He's faithful in little. In a couple of years, you're going to see him up here. He's going to be pretty good. I don't know what the, I don't know. Maybe somewhere along the line, a little like a little flip, a switch will flip, and he'll realize, "Hey, I'm actually pretty good at this, and I could do more stuff with this." Faithful in little. Some of you wish you had more money, you could do this or this. But if you just want more money so you can have a bigger house and a nicer car and nicer vacations, well, that's really not very interesting. That would be nice. But the fact is, you know why God doesn't think he's stingy when he doesn't give these things to you? Because he's going to give you uh, uh, something that's 10,000 times greater than Hawaii when you show up in his, in his presence. So why does he have to give you a little more money today? He's like saying, he's not holding back because he wants to give you something more. Something more than money. Something more than worldly security. So he's not holding back at all. So oh, you know, he's holding back. God is stingy. No, you're just stupid. <laughs> you're just, your faith is pathetic. Your vision of what God has to offer you is so small You're angry. You have this vision of God as like the stingy daddy. He's not. He's not. He's not. But beginning now, let me ask you, be faithful with little. Little gift. Little time. Little money. So all these things, put put it together, please. So principle number one was no such thing as a small piece of faith, small as a virus. That's my paraphrase of Matthew 17, 20. He who is faithful in little is faithful in much. Luke 16, 10 from Jesus. One more. This one's hard, but this one's big. Right? Jesus says this multiple times. Anything that Jesus says multiple times, you should pay attention. If you don't understand it, you should just chew on it. Stick it in the back of your head. Pray that God gives you understanding on it. And every time, Jesus likes to say this, he goes, whoever has ears to hear, let him hear. And then he just throws this thing out to you, and you're like, what the heck does that mean? And you're like, I don't get it. Apparently, if you don't get it, then you don't have ears to hear this yet. But I'm going to give this a shot. Jesus says this multiple times. For to the one who has, more will be given, and he will have an abundance. But from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. Let me say it again. For to the one who has, more will be given, and he will have an abundance. But from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. This is a, there's like a spiritual law of the kingdom. Jesus said this multiple times. Let me give you a little my take on what this means. He who takes their small gift and gives it to Jesus. He who takes their small faith and uses it for Jesus. He who takes... What he has and is faithful with little will get much. 
If you have a gift, if you have a little piece of faith, if you don't use it, if you don't give it, it will begin taken away from you. It will start to rot. It will get stale. But if you have a little and you begin to use it, you have a little bit of faith, you begin to exercise it, you know what happened? It'll grow. It'll grow. Some of you, 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 you talk a good game with your mouth. I want to grow, pastor. But you never show up to Bible study. <laughs> pastor, I want to grow. But you never raise your hand to serve. Pastor, I want to have, I want to really see God. And I really want to have like the riches of his kingdom. You want to have an abundance of riches in your life? You must exercise what little faith you have, what little gift you have. But if you don't, what little you have could rot. It'll start to be taken away from you. Because that's how it works. It's not that God goes, I'm going to steal it away from you because I'm just tired of you. That's not how it works. Because if your faith is small and you do not begin to exercise it, if your gift is small and you do not begin to use it, you're going to start saying, I don't see God. You'll start to get cynical. Your laziness, your pride, all the rot inside your heart, you'll start to crowd out and squish your faith. This is why the, 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 the teenager who got a little excited about Jesus when he was 16, and then he goes off to college when he's, eight, when he's 18, he had a little bit of faith, right, when he was 16. But then at 18... He, goes, he was more interested in, in meeting a girl. He was more interested in getting good grades. He was more interested in partying with his friends. All these other things start to crowd out that small little piece of faith. What starts to happen? By the time he's 22, he's like, oh, that Jesus stuff, that was a phase. It happens to people who are 25 and 35 and 45. So you have a little bit of faith, right? But you do not exercise it. You have a little bit of a gift from God, but you do not give it back to him. Mostly, you're just trying to give yourself things. And so, the mortgage, the pursuit of the hot husband, the, the pursuit of building perfect kids, it crowds out. And so, you, what little you have starts to be taken away from you because you're squashing it out with the rottenness of your heart. But faith that's exercised, God loves. Gifts that's given to him, God will bless and multiply and multiply and multiply. You want an abundance? Take your little, be faithful with little, be a widow, offer it to God. Offer it to God. And you will see great things happen. And your life will change. And you will impact much. And you will become a Phoebe and a Prisca and an Aquila, or Epaphroditus, you're like, I can't ever even, it's like, I certainly can't be a Paul or a David. I certainly can't even, I can't even be a Pastor Susa. But you can. You're wrong. You can be a Prisca, or an Aquila, or a Phoebe, or an Epaphroditus. And your name will be written in a book that the Bible calls the Book of Life. Um, I'm going to give you an illustration, and then I'm going to close my message, right? Um, years ago, I was a young man, probably in my mid-20s, and my, I used to fall asleep on my pastor all the time. <laughs> That's why I don't really get too offended. Uh, some of you guys fall asleep on me. 
I'm like a dumb kid just like me, right? <laughs> just another dumb kid just like I was a dumb kid, right? And so I know you're sitting there going, Pastor Zong, you can't fall asleep in sermons every week. <laughs> I-, I once sat on the front of, of, of the church because I-, I came to church late, so I even know what that's like too. Some of you tardy people can't get up on time. I was that guy too. So I, 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 got, I, I came, and I sat right there, and I fell asleep on my pasture, sitting in the front row, and my head was bobbing back and forth. And he looked at me, and he said, and he interrupted his sermon and said, Are you okay? <laughs> and you know how you get that you know, while you're asleep, but then sometimes you get this weird feeling? Like, I was kind of half asleep, and then this weird feeling that everybody was staring at me. And I looked up, and my pastor was staring down at me, and he said, are you okay? And I looked around and said, oh my goodness. I was mortified. Everybody was staring at me. So that's what I was like. Okay? For about two, three years. I was like that. All right? Um, and, but he said this one thing in the sermon, and he said this point that I, I was sharing with you today. He, those who are faithful with little and give with their heart. He was preaching something about, I don't even know the text, okay? But he was kind of preaching this this point that I was giving you today. And he was talking about, and he applied it, and so this will be a good bonus for all you young people here today. He said, for those of you who want to find a really good wife, this is what you should look for. So, so when I go to a church, so here's the thing, when I go to a church and says, who is really following the Lord? I don't look for the person who's got all the big gifts and who, has, and who stands out in the crowd and everybody goes, oh, that person. So I look for the quiet person who serves with their small gift faithfully with little. They are faithful in little. If they're faithful in little, they'll be faithful in much. And those of you young men out there, if you want to find a good wife, look for that girl. If you find that girl, she's a keeper. And you know what? That pastor... And I don't know if he was a good preacher or not. I mean, he wasn't good enough to keep me awake, all right? I don't remember most of the things he said, but I remember that. And a funny thing later, about two years later, when I started hanging out with this girl, Grace, <laughs> I started hanging out with this girl, Grace, you know what stuck in my head when I was thinking, maybe I could marry this girl? That teaching. <laughs> that teaching stuck in my head. And so my wife, and I might have told you this before, she used to, I used to watch her do this. She used to get up early in the morning, on a Sunday morning, well before service, because the praise team would get together, and she was on praise team. Not because she could sing, because she, she really can't, okay? <laughs> Sorry, dear, you're not really, you can't really sing, okay? <laughs> um, she can sing, and she has a nice, pretty voice, but, you know, sometimes the, it goes in and out of tune, all right? I, um, <laughs> all right um, but she knew that, but praise team needed someone to run all their transparencies and keep all that stuff in order. It was a small job. She did it faithfully every single Sunday, and I watched her do it. Nobody paid attention to the person who flips transparencies and keeps them organized. I mean, this, you know, she, what's a transparency? It's this, like, primitive thing, <laughs> this, this primitive, like, transparent piece of plastic that, you know, like, oh, you know, whatever, okay? Right? That's how people sang back then in, in, in like, you know, the 19th century, okay? Uh, so my wife did that. 
I watched her do that. And I said, I'm going to marry that girl. <laughs> and um, I'll only tell you, I've never regretted it. Okay? You guys want to know what it looks like. Let me close this message. Um, the whole world is looking for authenticity. We call it authenticity. Really what it means is authentic purity of heart, humility, righteousness, generosity. You know, we, 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 have, we have these bozos every, every couple years. It's not even every four years. It's every two years. You just don't pay attention except every four. And then they stand up. I'm going to be the president of the United States and I'll change the country. <laughs> I believe in the greatness of our country. Some of them do, some of them don't. We're all looking at them like, do you? Do you? you really, do you really serve something greater than yourself? Do you? Will you sacrifice? The whole world's looking for this thing called authenticity, purity of heart. A servant's heart. But if we have it, if it's in you and it begins to come out, you know what it is? It's a new brand of human being. <laughs> and it's the most beautiful thing. And it comes about because Jesus went to a cross. He was the greatest, greatest, greatest. And he says, I'll serve you. I'll wash your feet. He literally washed feet. I'll be nailed up for you. I'll be little. I'll do this thing that doesn't look like much. It's a servant's act. All these people around the world, all these sophisticated, educated people, and they look at this cross and go, how can anybody be saved by that? It doesn't look like much. And Jesus gave us that gift. And he washed feet. And then he said, follow me. All your pride, all your performance, all your, it's, it's, oh, I'll be embarrassed if I don't do this well. That can go on the cross. That can die on the cross. It's about you. It's about your pride. It's about your performance. It's about your money. It's about the way people look at you. That can die on the cross. And his heart, which will live forever, which can be in your heart, which will live forever, will be upon you. And you and I can become a new breed of humanity made in the image of Jesus. The second Adam, the last Adam of a new heaven, a new earth, a new city, a new creation. If you begin to understand no small persons, no small gift, there's no such thing as a faith too small. Okay? Let's pray. Thank you for my wife, Jesus. I love her. She is so great. I've never trade her. And I pray she's like Epaphroditus. I pray that we'd have a church full of Epaphroditus and Phoebe and Aquila and Prisca and we would honor them. And we become a beautiful, 
new humanity, a beautiful new kind of creation. People would walk in and hang out with us and go, these people are strange. They're joyful and they're humble and they give what they have. Some people give lots of money. Some people give lots of time. Some people don't give much money, but it's given with all that they have. Some people give of their songs. Some people give of their talents. Some people give small acts of service and of love. And it's multiplied again and again and again. And we pray, Lord, that today that you would convict by your spirit hearts to walk in faith. And you would pour out an abundance in this church. An abundance. We'd be so rich. So rich in grace. So rich in generosity. So rich in beauty and power. That we would begin to draw many toward you, Jesus. So thank you. Build up this church to be filled with Epaphroditus and Priscas and Aquilas. And we'll praise you forever. In Jesus' name, amen.